Welcome to Kibia, the spirit of sauna. Join your hosts, Alan Jalishaw and Alyssa Lansdell, as they explore the history, culture, and lifestyle of sauna. Whether you're a lifelong aficionado and expert like Alan, a relative newbie and budding enthusiast like Alyssa, or just curious to see what all the fuss is about, this is the podcast for you. Sauna is so much more than meets the eye. So breathe deep, get comfortable, and share in the search for the true spirit of sauna. Hello and welcome. Today, I'm so excited. We are going to talk about the ritual of sauna. And when we hear the word ritual, certain images come to mind, at least for me, like church maybe, or another holy place, actions that are performed in a certain way and in a specific order, and I think of ceremony and solemnity. And it might surprise some of you that when it comes to the sauna experience, ritual is a huge part of it. Alan knows this. You know this all too well, right, Alan? And, Absolutely. And in fact, yes. <laughs> you've yes. invited your friend uh, Darren McIntyre to join us today. So we can talk about both of your experiences with the rituals surrounding sauna and, and how those rituals can enhance the experience. Welcome, Darren. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hey, so how did, yeah, glad to have you. How did uh, Alan rope you into the sauna experience? How did that all happen? Tell me about the, the first experience with that and how far back it goes. It started um, with a friend of ours named Pete Karagenis, and uh, he had been going up to the Al's grandma's cottage for some time, and he was totally sold on it. And so he got me uh, to go up one time, and I have to say I drove up by myself, and I was starting to wonder as I got closer and closer to this cottage, it was getting a little more rustic, a little more rustic, because it was at the very end of one of these cottage roads. It was dead end. And by the time it got to the end, the gravel had completely petered out, and it was pretty much like a dirt road for the last probably 300 meters and I didn't know what I was getting into but um, sure enough there were smiling faces when I got there I was greeted at the door with a beer which seemed to be pretty much the ritual from that point on Um, and uh, it was just uh, a great start to it because I was used to going to a hunting camp just uh, south of Algonquin Park way in the middle of nowhere and so unlike cottages on Muskoka and um, that I I visited friends at um, this one was beautiful, rustic, outhouse, not even um, uh, a toilet. So um, the sauna itself, again, exactly what you would imagine for a place like that. It was, uh, I I assume, what it would be like back in Finland in the 50s, 60s. It was amazing. Amazing. And Alan, I, I like that you began the ritual with alcohol. That does not happen in church as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no alcohol in church except for a little wine, maybe at the uh, at the uh, communion. Yeah. Communion, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that uh, it, you don't need to drink around the sauna. It's more to do with the social aspect, and and that was Darren's first trip to the cottage, so that was more of a social greeting. It really had, didn't have anything to do with the sauna yet, but it became later. So I just it was a way of welcoming him with a beer, and that's one of those things that we do with each other when we meet now it's more scotch i think we've (laughs) nice so you get into the hard stuff very good very good well how how does ritual play into sauna alan are they kind of inextricably linked for you can you have sauna without ritual you can have a sauna without ritual but it absolutely makes it better if you have your little rituals your little traditions your little personal touches 
and they're all kind of meld together. You can't really, it's hard to separate them, but at the end of the sauna session, you know, three or four hours later, you realize all these little things you did and where it brought you at the end of the sauna. I kind of love this because as someone who lives a fast-paced life, I do everything fast, and it sounds to me like ritual is the thing that allows you to slow down and be present. Is that fair to say? It's very fair to say, and all these, again, all these little elements just take you away from your everyday life. You stop thinking about work and family and all the stressors, and you start focusing on these little enjoyable elements of the sauna. So it, again, it just takes you away, takes you away for a couple of hours so you can forget all about, forget about all of that. Does that work for you, Darren? Are you kind of a fast-paced person typically? Uh, how how Not did as it much. affect you? Not as much anymore, but I can tell you after, um, at that point, I had just left the military my very first visit. But um, after um, my now wife and I returned from Vancouver, um, we lived in Toronto for five or six years, and it was absolute heaven getting up to that cottage and the sun itself. Um, oh, yeah, it just melts uh, away the stress when after you've been on the road uh, trying to escape the city as well, uh, hitting the traffic on the 115. Um, once you got in, it starts with that beer, it melts a little bit away. And then once you get in that heat, though, it's all gone by the end of the first, the first <laughs> run, pretty much. Right. It, it's funny you say melt. And I'm thinking the, the heat, it must be pretty intense. I hear that you yourself have brought the heat up uh, quite a bit in the sauna. Is that right? <laughs> that was one. So a normal tradition would be a ritual would be that I would be the one to light the fire. But uh, he was having a hard time um, getting that low down to the floor, so I was given permission to actually stoke it up. And uh, apparently I overstoked it, and we got it up to, I think it was around 250 Fahrenheit, which is 122 yeah. or 3 125 Celsius. Celsius, yeah. Good yeah. golly! That yeah. will melt you. That, that, that sounds like a doctor would recommend against that, but I, I mean, I'm no medical <laughs> professional. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend those temperatures, to be honest. Um, they are tolerable with some experience, but I, I emphasize don't don't try this at home uh, would be my warning. Um, but uh, we had it up to that temperature. Darren had her good and stoked, and I kind of have a motto, uh, you make it, you take it. So, uh, <laughs> the felt hat, hat really helped a lot, too. We have felt hats now, which is a new tradition. Um, it's probably been present, what, five years now, Al? Yeah, about five years, yeah. And what does that do? The uh, felt hats, uh, they're made out of felt and they act like an insulator, so they allow your body to get hot or hotter without overheating your head. Because if you're out like in a hot sunny day, you can actually get like a heat stroke or you can feel dizzy or lightheaded. And this gives you a little protection from that so you can still get your body nice and hot. So that is something that... Uh, I was not really even aware of years ago. It just kind of came about in recent years with my friends that I sauna with in Waterloo. And they're all hat lovers, hat wearers, whatever you want to call it. So I've bought a few hats. Uh, Darren has a hat that I bought for him. I have my own. And uh, now that's a new tradition that we carry on. That is really cool. So have, have the rituals changed over time for you, Alan? Uh, they have. They have, but uh, there's really two kind of benchmarks. There was when my grandparents were at the cottage, uh, we had our traditions, we had our way of doing things. They were very regimented. There was not a lot of fluctuation or variation on a theme. 
but then after my grandparents passed and and it was more my responsibility to be the host and direct the traffic so to speak in the sauna there were our own traditions there's some that carried over from my grandparents and there's some that I introduced on my own and then we vary them a bit they they move around and it depends on who the guests are like if Darren's up to the cottage we'll do it one way if it's a different friend we might do it slightly different um, some of the basics are always there. There's always that time before sauna to relax and, and have some conversation. The sauna itself doesn't change, to be honest, very much. There are a couple of rituals that we always have done since the beginning of time. One is that I mentioned before is the lolu, which is putting water on the rocks. I think Darren really likes the water on the rocks. Hey, Darren? I do like the water on the rocks. I was just thinking about another thing that's always been there was that sign that used to sit above the where you put the wood in that says, yep. uh, if I can remember, it's Saunasa via Villene um, Lulu um, Sapi Samu. Is that right? Yep, pretty close. Yeah. Nice. And can that you means uh, translate again? that for me? <laughs> yeah, that was a loose translation from my grandmother in the sauna, anger cools and bitterness fades away. So Darren, right. do you remember? Do you remember the first time? I, and I'm pretty sure my grandmother would have been the one that uh, explained it to you. Do you remember that? The first vista. The, the first time my grandmother told you what the sign said. Do you remember oh. that? Uh, yes, I do actually. I think I. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm superimposing the memory on, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I do. I think it was very early on, probably the first or second one ever. And what did you think of it when she? Uh, when she explained it to be perfectly honest at first it uh i had never had a really good solid finish sauna before it was always the ones you have in hotels where they're lukewarm the the um the wood all stinks because of the water that's been seeping in there for years and never dries out perfectly um so it was it was a bit of an eye-opener it was really neat the very first one um, but it wasn't the thing that sold me on the place. Not, it's now later where it's become more of an integral part of the experience. Um, at first, I was just delighted to be up at a cottage on a beautiful lake. And uh, that was uh, just a neat add-on. But now it's, now it's important. It's like the meat of the whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> and so was it your grandmother then, Ellen, that introduced you to this whole idea of the... Uh, of the, the beating yourself with the, with the birch whisk. This is kind of neat. It was both grandparents. So okay. when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, both my grandparents uh, were alive, and they each had their roles. So my grandmother was responsible for the vista. That's the birch whisk. And it's one of those things she just wouldn't let anybody else do. Um, she was a very headstrong woman, very tough. She ruled the roof, so to speak. Uh, she wouldn't let anybody else do it. And even my grandfather wouldn't dare go down that path. <laughs> don't touch the vista. Uh, don't yeah. touch the vista, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they kind of divide and conquered. His responsibility was to start the fire and get the water, you know, gathered in the sauna. And that's what the parts that I partook in, but I didn't touch the vista. And um, my grandfather passed when I was about 22. So I never really knew him or spent time with him as an adult. It was mostly with my grandmother, and, you know, we spent time having sauna together as a young adult, you know, when uh, my friends weren't there. So she continued on that vista tradition. She would make that, and I would take care of the rest of the deals, you know, rest of the tasks. So that was my responsibility, and it was like 
me becoming older, becoming a man, taking over these important responsibilities to keep the tradition going. That is so cool. That does remind me of church, actually, where you are given more and more, you know, first as whether you're an altar boy or whether you're in the choir like I was or whether you become, you know, you, you get given more and more responsibilities as you go and you take great pride in that. Yes, yes, amazing. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do rituals change depending on who you're with? I'm getting the idea that, you know, you had different rituals with your grandparents, perhaps, than you do, like, when yeah. Darren comes up. Yeah, so when when Darren comes up or other friends come up, it's it's the socializing between us that is the focal point, where before when my grandparents were up, actually more my grandmother, my grandmother actually joined us in the sauna. So it was a little different dynamic, especially the early days when Darren hadn't been up there that often, and he sees my grandmother in there, you know, taking the heat just like I am. Actually, maybe it's more the other way around. I'm taking the heat like she likes it because she <laughs> liked it hot. I think that's where I yeah. get that uh, that need or that love for the heat is from my grandmother. She would she would not go in it unless it was 200 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 95 Celsius. It uh, I'd be you know monitoring the heat and she'd say, "How hot is it?" I go, "Oh, it's about 190." No, nope, not ready yet. No, nope, not going in. <laughs> and uh, she would go Come in. On. Yeah, it is. And she, she, when she did go in, she'd go right to the top bench. No shame, no nothing. And then uh, she'd go in the lake. Doesn't matter how cold it was or who was around, she'd go in the lake. So she loved it. She loved sauna, and she continued going into the sauna until her mid-90s. That's a, Well, and perhaps that's part of why she lived to her mid-90s or beyond, right? Probably, probably, yeah. yeah. It was 102, if, if I'm not mistaken, and... Uh, I don't remember her ever not going to the top shelf. <laughs> Amazing. Because it's hotter up there. Let's just be clear on that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now, what about yeah. this hot, cold cycle? How much is that part of the ritual? It's uh, very important. Very important. You, in the cycle itself, you want to get hot. Obviously, that's why we go in the sauna. But you need to cool the body down. So we do it, obviously, at the lake but at home people might have a, a shower or a pool. It's very important. It's actually referred to as a thermal cycle. And this is where you get the sensation, that euphoria, that mood improvement at the end of the sauna because the hot, uh, the heat, allows your blood to circulate more. <laughs> Rigorously. Are you sure you haven't been partaking in that uh, that, that pre-sauna drink yet? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think I might have. <laughs> um, but then the cold of, the, of yeah. the water cools it down, cools you down and contracts. So you go through this expansion contraction of your blood, blood, blood vessels and blood circulation. And then you're actually supposed to have a little rest period after that but I don't think we do that very often. I think we might do it every two or three cycles when we're at the cottage because we're getting a little tired. It's every third uh, round. We, we usually stop for, uh, in the old days, it used to be for a beer. Now it's for a water. Actually, in the middle days, yeah. I think it was stopping for a frozen vodka, but that was getting too <laughs> Wow, we're bringing the Russian influence in now, too. This yeah. is nice. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, so I'm assuming that when when you're in that state, yes, you're in that state of euphoria, it's almost like, is it almost like a truth serum for you? Like, do you find that you share things that you wouldn't share outside the sauna? We, we absolutely share. Yeah, yeah we, we absolutely share. And I know there's times when 
It actually starts before the sound. If Darren came up like uh, on a late on a Friday afternoon or evening, just before sauna, you know, we meet. We're we're already starting to talk. I think it's because both of us realize we're about to go in the sauna. It's almost like uh, a trigger. Being at the cottage, it's more than just the sound. It's actually the cottage setting, which puts us in that frame of mind. And then once we get in the sauna, yeah, there's usually lots of dialogue. And uh, I think Darren probably talks the most when we're in the sauna. Would you say that's true, Darren? <laughs> uh, I'm not entirely sure yeah, of that, maybe. but you never know. It depends <laughs> on what my week's been like. Yeah. Um, I do, re- I do remember on a few occasions where, where Darren was really, really talking. And as a host, I'm, you know, I'm, I accept that. I, I welcome that. And, and I think even Darren realized once, he's like, boy, I'm talking a lot. I wonder why. You know, you're like, well, because you're in a sauna and that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of lets, lets it all go forth. Yeah. I think at that one time, though, I think I, I think I might have been stepping on uh, your personal thoughts for a bit because I just couldn't shut up, and you were probably thinking, "Geez, when's that going to shut up so I can just sit here and enjoy <laughs> the big?" Yeah, <laughs> actually, not at all. I, I uh, it's it's a compliment when people come to the to the cottage and come to the sauna and they're willing to share so much, especially in the sauna. I I wouldn't stop that for the world. I, I want I want people to be be that comfortable. So it's uh, it's it's a compliment when that happens. It sounds like a fabulous way to bond. And I, but I imagine that the conversations are different when it's the two of you versus when your wives are with you. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you expand on that, gentlemen? No, we can't. It's a lot no. less blue when they're around, I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey, isn't there supposed to be no swearing in the sauna or is, is there an exception made? We, we don't actually swear. And there are two subjects that are kind of off topic or off limits for Finnish people. One is politics and the other is religion. But we never find ourselves in those conversations. Um, most of what we do is we, we reminisce. Uh, we both went to military college. So that seems to be one of our themes whenever we're talking or sharing, is w- whether it's in the sound or afterwards. So a lot of war stories, as they call it. Yeah. That's amazing. And you came up with the idea, the loose idea anyway, the original one for this podcast together in the sauna, did you not? We did. I think that particular yes. sauna, we we had been drinking that day. So yes, I think we, we were in, really in the zone. <laughs> would, you, would you agree, Darren? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was Darren's idea. We were in the sauna just talking about whatever, spitballing, drifting all over the place. And it's Darren, I, I'm pretty sure, said we should do a podcast. I think those were the exact words. It was a different, uh, I, I, a different theme or a different, you know, background. I to think it, it was because we were throwing around the idea, like, can could could um, Giddy Lee or Alex Lifeson um, um, or Neil Pert, right, that he was alive at the time, could they handle the heat? And so we went, wait a second, <laughs> and then yeah, we could have a podcast, get them up here, and then you could make it like a bit of a play on words. Can they handle the heat of the sauna, and can they handle the heat of our questions? Not that we'd be that probing, considering it'd be so um, you know the atmosphere. You know, that's not what you're trying to do is put people on the spot. But at the same time, you probably get a lot out of people, like you were saying, Al. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would think so. Because as you say, your defenses come down, right? Absolutely, yeah. I love it. Now, do you, does food enter into this? I might be asking this because I haven't eaten lunch yet, but does food <laughs> enter into your ritual? And, and how? And, and when does dinner start? No, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah, food definitely enters. Well, we've already talked about beverages for various yeah. reasons. It's part of the social aspect. But actually, you know, having a good cold beer or having a really nice scotch after sauna really hits the spot. You just your your senses are heightened and they just taste that much better. But food is a big part of it too. So one of the reasons is you're going through the sauna. It actually is invigorating. It is a demand on your body like a, a, a like a an activity. So you do get hungry. So afterwards, uh, Darren and I definitely do what we do as far as eating. Uh, I think it's migrated to steak predominantly, a nice, a nice good steak. Darren is nice. the king of cooking those steaks. So that's our little tradition of having steak and scotch after, after a sauna. There's also another tradition that exists with Finns, and that is a little snack during the sauna. And what that is, it's called makara. It's a sausage that you cook in the sauna while you're having a sauna. Wow. So when you're done the sauna, this sausage, this makara, is ready for you to eat. And that's your little snack to kind of tide you over until you carry on. You might have dinner. You might do something else. But this is a more of the ritual right related to the sauna itself. It's really cool they have an actual hook that hangs over the rocks. And so you get a bit of that smell too. Usually the smells in the, in the sauna are when you first get in, it's the cedar. And then um, if <laughs> grandma was there with the vista, then you get that birch leaf smell, which is amazing. Um, and then eventually the macro drips a little bit onto the rocks and you get a bit of that smell in there too. Kind of makes you hungry too. Oh my God. Oh, that just, it sounds amazing. As someone who really uh, has a lot of memories attached to smell, that would be just such an amazing experience from a yeah, multi-sensory. It, it's it's yeah. quite a trigger. And yeah, like Darren said, the, the makara is cooking and at first you don't smell it, but by the end of about an hour, you do smell it. And that pretty much tells you the makara is ready. And that's when you take it off and cut it up and eat it. Amazing. Incredible. Now, people might be listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, that's a lot involved in this ritual. For someone right. who is just beginning their sauna experience, what, what, what can some beginner rituals be for them? I think probably the easiest one is to focus on the lolu. Yeah. That's, that's a very important ritual, which we've talked about before. But it is really integral to a, a good sauna, to the experience. All these other things can come later. But that's probably the one I would start with because it's simple. You're just adding water to the rocks. It changes the dynamics of the sauna. It feels hotter when it's not, but it has a very special feeling. It helps you understand what, what you're doing, what you're doing in the sauna. That would be the, the first one that I would introduce to somebody who hasn't had a complete finished sauna before. Okay, yeah, that's easy enough. And then add food and drink. I think most of us can do that. Yeah. And even <laughs> if you don't do the makara during the sauna, that can come later because there's a bit to learn on that. Certainly after the sauna, having a beverage, having some food, yeah, everybody can do that. And you are hungry. And it's easy to do. You're in a social mood with your friends or your family. Food comes natural. And it's, it, it's nice to have a, a little tradition of what you eat or how you eat afterwards. And for Darren and I, it's a, a nice steak. And some red wine. 
<laughs> oh, beautiful, of course, because if you're having steak, the red wine has to follow. Uh, now, the, the warming room, it sounds like a really cool part. I don't want to skip over that part. It sounds like this this is where you take your time kind of anticipating the sauna experience. Do you have music? Yeah. Like, paint the picture for me. Yeah, so the actual sauna is is only half of an actual building down by the lake. So half of it is dedicated to the sauna, and the other half is called a warming room or a relax room. And I've completely renovated it, so we have these really big comfy chairs. So before the sauna or after, especially when it's cold outside or rainy, we can actually sit down in this room, big windows overlooking the lake, comfortable chairs, couple tables and we can just relax and chat and have a vodka or whatever. I did, uh, we never had music or a stereo in the sauna room in the past, but when I renovated it, I incorporated it into it. We have a stereo there. I'm pretty sure it only works on one radio station. Um, so I usually connect it to Canoe FM. It's a community radio station out of Halliburton, about an hour away. But there's something about that kind of music where it's throwback music. It's it's an eclectic mix. It's nothing specific. It's not a certain genre, and none of it really reminds me of current times. It's all about throwback to when you're a kid. So I really like that radio station, and they play all kinds of music. But it just kind of, you know, it doesn't remind you of home. So, again, the point of the cottage and the sound is to take you away from from your stresses of your other life. So that's why I listen to that radio station. I get different opinions from different people who visit, but I really don't care because that's what we're listening to. <laughs> well, and the radio won't me. change. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and I think the smaller the town, it's a Halliburton station you're talking about. I think yeah. about my grandparents' cottage way up in northern Ontario, and there was a Kirkland Lake station. And it, too, had every type of genre because it was really the only station. So that mm -hmm. the idea of that brings me back to my childhood. And it actually sounds like it's connecting you with maybe your younger self or uh, your essential self. You're saying you want to escape the hustle and bustle, but really I, it sounds to me like these rituals, this music, music, the, the pre-sauna, yeah. all of this kind of just connects you to you, who you really are at your core. It is. It is. And, and the setting is perfect. It's the cottage. And the cottage has always been my favorite place. As much as I love sauna, having that excellent setting, that perfect setting is what makes it complete. I remember as a little boy, always looking forward to going up to the cottage. I never really remembered thinking about the sauna per se, even though I knew I did it. It was being at the cottage. Things were simple. It's quiet. Lots of nature. And I loved exploring around the lake, going for hikes, going for canoe rides. I loved doing that as a boy. I never thought about it till later, but it actually became my quote-unquote happy place at some point. So happy places can be different things. It can be a situation. It can be a memory. In my case, it's at an actual place. Love that. And Darren, how do you feel when you leave the cottage? I mean, how long does this feeling stay with you, too? Oh, it, it's it's actually dread of leaving. I, I remember <laughs> when I had to go back to Toronto, the, um, the feeling of dread when you knew you had to pack up and go. You still have a bit of the warmth still with you, but uh, it, it was such a sad thing, especially on long weekends, having to go back to Toronto. Nowadays, it's not so bad because uh, I live in the country outside of Peterborough, but back in the day, oh yeah, it it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much so maybe you want to 
get your own sauna someday, build your own? I fully intend to. It should be with up within the next year, I suspect. Really? Amazing. All right, another convert. I love it. <laughs> yeah, when I think of my cottage experience, I know my grandmother had certain meals for certain days of the week, but it sounds as though, Alan, your grandmother had everything regimented every day uh, as far as you ate the same things every day. And Darren, how did that go over for you? I actually really liked it at first. Um, when I first got up, I didn't want to mess with anything. And it was always porridge for breakfast. It was um, hot dogs for lunch and then chicken thighs for supper. And there was no getting around that. However, um, after a while, um, I felt like I had to pay my dues. So I started bringing up steak and I didn't know how she was going to react to that. And then, um, but eventually I knew she had, uh, I had won her over to the steak idea because they had these excellent little wine glasses. They're small, round with the stem. And uh, I remember one time we were sitting at dinner and uh, she had finished her glass and she was nudging it towards me where I, I was holding the wine bottle at the time. And that made me know, yep, I have definitely <laughs> altered a tradition. Excellent. I love it. Yeah, you won grandma over with the red wine. Not a surprise. Nicely done, Darren. Well, I, I've learned a lot about ritual. I feel a little less intimidated walking into the chapel that is sauna. So thank you both for welcoming me in, virtually anyway, into your, your sauna experience and ritual. And uh, we're going to kind of carry that on next time, aren't we, Alan, with, with etiquette. So when it comes to these yes. rituals, yes. what to do, what not to do, right? you gotta, you got a list for yep. us. Yes, we do. Fantastic. Fantastic. We'll talk then. Thanks for listening to Kivia, the spirit of sauna. Please subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks. Take a moment to rate, review, and share the podcast, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kivia Sauna. This podcast is brought to you by Kivia.ca, Canada's premier destination for the sauna community, providing expert advice, quality saunas, custom designs, as well as authentic sauna accessories. Visit us today at Kivia.ca. This has been a Memory Tree production.